Hi, listeners. This is Kate Berry, producer of Getting Ethics to Work. We recorded this episode in January, long before we knew how our lives at work and home would be changed by COVID-19. Andy will be talking about the ethics of gift-giving at work with Dr. Jess Mejia, but even though that conversation is more complicated now, many of us see our coworkers less frequently and have less money to buy them gifts, we thought it would still be an interesting talk as many of us head into the holiday season. I hope you enjoy. From the Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University, this is Getting Ethics to Work, the podcast that tackles the trickier moral dilemmas that you might face in the workplace. I'm your host and Prindle Institute director, Andy Cullison, and with me is our guest, Dr. Jessica Mejia, who is the visiting Shannon Scholar here at the Prindle Institute. She is also the assistant director of academic services. Jess, welcome. Hello. And Jess, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. I've studied in San Francisco at the University of San Francisco. I got my PhD at Purdue University in Applied Ethics. Excellent. Welcome. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone that we are not lawyers and are not offering legal expertise or advice. But as an ethicist, uh, I can tell you why it might be okay to be a Scrooge and never give anyone gifts in the workplace. Uh, So Jess, you and I were talking about gifts once in the hall, and you raised some interesting stories about some of the awkwardness about gift giving, and it sort of formed the basis or inspiration for this show. So could you tell us about those? I grew up in a traditional Mexican household, and um, my mother had some views about gifts where if somebody gave her, say, a $100 piece of jewelry, she would turn it down. She'd say, thank you, turn it down, move on. My aunt uh, had a very similar attitude, somewhat different though. Um, She would say thank you, turn down the gift, and then sort of take offense about it. The reason was that she sort of saw this as a focal point of the gifter sort of pointing out Here's something you can't give back, right? Or something of uh, that's worth like $100 that you, you can't give back. It, it struck me that when it comes to gifting, at least one of the reasons that people will turn something away is because they feel they can't reciprocate with something of equal value. But also there's just power dynamics at play, like with my aunt's reaction where she sort of sees this as, you're signaling your status in comparison to mine, and you're showing mm. me to be lesser than you somehow. Um, so she took offense about that. And I thought this would be a really nifty discussion in the, in the uh, workplace, in part because it's actually very prevalent, right? Giving gifts at work. Yeah, yeah, this, I do. I think because the, the issues about gifts in the workplace, there might be some similar stuff going on. All right, so let's get to work and talk about it. So your story highlights some kind of general issues that might arise with the practice of gift giving uh, that people might not even realize could be happening, right? So you named one, which was there might be some unintentional status signaling that could get people upset. Sure. Um, so I think a lot of the the issues do arise just from the those those two features, um, the felt obligation, and then just the dynamics of the of relationships. So, in the workplace, you're around people of different kinds, right? People that you like, people that you don't like, 
people that you barely tolerate. Um, you've got bosses. There's underlings. Sometimes there's very complicated hierarchies. There could be friends. There could be people who are co-workers but are of def- different economic statuses. One of the things I find really interesting about gifts is that there's an aspect about this that's all about etiquette, right? Mm-hmm. So there's something just pragmatic and it's just learn the social rules. Like a lot of rules of etiquette, they're not written down. So you you just learn them and pick them up as you go along and you make mistakes. But there's also this moral element to gifting. It's one of the chief ways in which we express beneficence, doing good deeds for others, right? So there's lots of really, really good reasons why you might want to have a practice of gift giving. But there's all these other complicated issues with gift giving where there does seem to be this moral element that we don't really have control over. Once we give a gift, they're kind of in play. I find that there's just this kind of odd, I don't know, unspoken anxiety around birthdays in the office place or when the holidays come around. Like, do I have to give everybody in the office a present? Last year, so-and-so gave me a present. Am I supposed to do that this year? Uh, Everybody bought donuts for my birthday. Uh, Am I supposed to do that? Now for everyone else's birthday or, how, or those kinds of things, right? Sure. And and a lot of that is, uh, it could be the case that you're required or it's an unstated rule that you give gifts that work for occasions you wouldn't otherwise, right? So yeah, the we, we tend to give gifts on, on holidays. Christmas is one of the big ones. I imagine Valentine's Day for some places. I remember doing that in school, right? Mm-hmm. Birthdays, announcements of birth other milestone promotions, graduations. So all of those are opportunities where this this kind of an issue arises. There's reasons to try and put forth some sorts of standards on the part of businesses. And I think the those reasons actually explain why a lot of businesses have this, right? It's not like the international, you know, business association or something is determined we need to make sure we have standards about gifting, right? It's just that issues arise. And so businesses have, you know, made determinations on their own about, you know, maybe we ought to sort of monitor this process or have some sort of formal standard or in an an informal standard. You know, what's going to happen if uh, everybody gets a gift except this one guy that nobody likes, right? Or what's going to happen when when you allow there to be so much pressure that it's, it's hard for somebody to abstain from giving a gift Right. That, that's uh, You raise a really, really interesting point there um, where if people get left out, I can imagine an organization could run into, I hate to raise the legal scare button. Again, we're not offering legal advice, but uh, you could imagine a, a boss, particularly a wealthy boss who has a lot of discretionary income, using gift giving as a kind of backdoor practice of doing bonuses and incentivizing, right? So you could imagine bosses giving people very generous gift certificates for having closed a deal or something like that, right? And yes. so, you you know, may, you could even imagine a boss doing this when they've been sort of prohibited by their own HR from offering bonuses, right? Like, oh, if they're not going to let me offer bonuses, well, I'll just give out gift cards from my personal cash. Yes. Oddly, I think this is the history of benefits, by the way, in the workplace. Oh, really? It was for being prohibited to give raises above a certain amount or a certain rate. It was something like that. But I was thinking a boss could try to do a runaround on that and say, oh, no, 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 this is not from the organization. 
I'm paying for this gift out of my own checking account. It's my money. It's not the organization's money. So it's an interesting kind of domain here where does that count as compensation or not if it's gifts between individuals? You know, it's a, it's a really interesting question whether it's morally permissible, right? There's a sense in which it, you know, it's a good thing when somebody tries to give somebody a gift. It is, you know, at least one formal way of defining it is the bestowal of a benefit on somebody. But it, it creates inequalities in the workplace, right? The people who are the gift recipients will stand out from the ones who weren't the gift recipients. And, you know, maybe bosses need to be thinking about it even at small magnitudes, right? Like, you know, every now and then I'll be like whoever's in the office, I might just be like, hey, I'm going to Starbucks. Can I get you coffee, right? And then I started to worry like, oh, could I accidentally be doing that only on when, only on days when certain people are in the office, right? Or, you know, things like that. And so, yeah, I sort of ran into the situation where I was thinking to myself, there should be more consistency to my spontaneously. <laughs> to your spontaneity. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there should be, there should be, my spontaneity should be much more carefully planned. Um, <laughs> you know, instead of, for individuals, maybe I get coffee for the office or something and just, you know, set it down in the common area or uh, instead of offering to buy someone lunch, pizza for the office, Th things like that that aren't sort of to any specific individual. It's just sort of bring a gift that sort of becomes common property of the office, something along those lines. Sure. Has uh, more diffuse benefit <laughs> to the workplace. Right. And no individual is going to feel like they've got to pay me back, right, if it's a benefit if it's a blanket benefit to the office generally. Right. Um, at least I hope they wouldn't feel like they needed to pay that back. So gift giving, it's fraught with these weird complications. So one of the things we've talked about is this kind of felt obligation that people feel when someone gives a gift. So I thought it might be fun just to think about that question. Like, when someone gives you a gift... Does it place a moral demand on you in any way, shape, or form? Do you have thoughts about that? Maybe it's not a moral demand that you reciprocate, but it's a moral demand anyway. So sort of stepping away from the workplace a little bit. If somebody gives you a really life-changing gift, like give, you know, donates an organ to you, right? Um, right? That might confer an obligation on you that you be careful, right? That you take care of your health. Mm. Um, and it wouldn't be an obligation to reciprocate, but it, it is, it somehow I think feels as though maybe you, you would owe it to that person who made this sort of sacrifice on your behalf that right. you take care of yourself in that case. So it, it, I think it's a felt obligation there, but it wouldn't be a felt obligation to do something uh, like for that person directly. It could be a bit more indirect. I do think sometimes that when somebody gives you a gift, you you do feel that debt, mm -hmm. right? So you know, a, a, a colleague gives you a, somebody somebody you don't really think too much about gives you you know a really nice box of chocolates or something um, around Christmas time. I know I'm feeling like oh no, I'm gonna have to give them something back, and it's not obvious that it's a moral obligation, but it does it feels like a debt. It's a, it's a feature of gift giving that I think is one of the reasons why it's an important part of a community, right? How we gift, the, that's why we have, we have etiquette rules around that because it's just, it somehow feels like a debt of some type. That could be a good thing. 
gifting can build community. It's sort of like being good to others um, mm -hmm. helps build community. But it can also feel like pressure. I, I mean, I do have intuitions of some kind that there's there are things that you can do that are at minimum inappropriate in response to a gift. And I mean, I just think about what we try to teach our kids about receiving gifts, right? So, right, sure. like uh, imagine my son opens a gift from my mom and it's a, it's, it's a Hot Wheel car and he says something like, oh, I'm not really into cars anymore. Some, I mean, right, like, like and I can yeah. imagine, I can imagine grown adults doing things like this and we'd be like, dude, why would you say that, right? Like, you, right. right, like someone gives, you know, your coworker gives you a Starbucks gift card and you're like, eh, I don't really drink coffee. Yeah, so there, it's it's funny because there's a so there's a virtue with the gift giving part, right? Beneficence. There's a virtue with the receiving part too, right? Gratitude or grace. Yeah, I think children it takes them a while to figure that out. You do see them spurn gifts openly, right? And uh, it, we do think there's something wrong with an adult who does that, right? That can't mm. control the, oh no, I really didn't want this kind of um, a reaction to a gift. Uh, yeah, I remember growing up and it was deemed sort of inappropriate to say that you already had the thing. What we would do is like, if grandma got you something that you already had, say thank you, don't make her feel bad, and we'll figure it out. Like, we'll be able to return it on our own. Or like, it was sort of like, yeah, we had all these kinds of norms around gifts. It, it, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting, though, but it's, it's funny that none of those rules were written down. Right. right. They were sort of just conveyed to you um, informally by your family. I note too, like the the thank you note. People see it. It is a part of etiquette, I think, more generally that you you say thank you for the gift, even if you didn't particularly like mm. the gift. Right. Um, and uh, so it, it's interesting that even when any gift bestowal whatsoever, you're supposed to be grateful for and, and express it. Right. It's at the very least, that's what you ought to reciprocate with. Sometimes, like I said, it 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 seems to it feels like the obligation is more than just saying thank you. It really could be I'm going to have to, you know, give this person something back. I'm going to have to be nicer to this person in the future. I'm going to have to rethink my relationship with them. I'm, I'm wondering if there's if there is this felt obligation and maybe there's an actual bare minimum obligation of some kind. If that's something that perhaps people ought to take into account when gift giving. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting about this example is it, it reminds me of like a really thoughtless gift. Oh. Um, where, you know, somebody, they just, you could tell they just picked something out from somewhere, like on the way out of the store, like here's a couple of packs of gum. Let's call it a day. It adds up to the $10 for the secret Santa. And uh, it, it it's interesting in that case that we, we do judge the gift because it is conveying carelessness on the part of the giver, right? Even related to the foisting an obligation on the person, you're foisting an obligation on the person that they're going to feel where deep down they know you didn't. Yeah, they were slighted. Like, like, you know, I'm going to have to take time to be thankful, to do whatever the obligations are that I feel from having given a gift. When I know for a fact you didn't really spend much time right. thinking about this. This was you like bought it in the checkout aisle or, you, yeah. Right. And, and I think that kind of gift giving will happen. I, I don't see that so much between more formal relationships, but I do see that with closer relationships or like a friend who you think they should have known better, right? Like 
I'm allergic to peanuts. Or oh, something. right, right, right. right. <laughs> um, and uh, and they, they didn't stop to think about it or something like that. So it, it, I think those kinds of uh, gifts, they do require a little bit more on the part of the giver, precisely because of the nature of that relationship. That's interesting. Other kinds of problematic gifts, unsolicited gifts out of the blue that sort of place that time burden on people. If, uh, like we were saying, we, we get upset about things that like, so-and-so did this, and now I have to spend time doing this thing, right? So, so maybe there are going to be circumstances where an unsolicited gift could place a felt obligation on someone in a time crunch. Like around the holidays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's a, yeah. Because I think that's also just a time when everybody has a lot going on, right? Obligations at work and obligations with families. Everybody's at the store. It becomes this big chore to go out and pick something up. Holidays are a very good example because that puts the time pressure on, right? If if someone gave me an unsolicited gift out of the blue, like, hey, I heard you like video games. Here's an old copy of this or whatever. Just in the middle of the summer, I have all the time in the world, right, yeah. to pay that back. I mean, but if someone gave me something two days before Christmas, a Christmas gift, mm-hmm. I only have two days to sort of pay that back. Um, and maybe you won't even see them right before that holiday, but that that's your timeline, the last time you're going to see them before or something like that. It's, right. The late gifts don't quite have the same punch yeah. right, as the on-time ones. That's right. So I guess with all these different kinds of things, what are some practical things people in the workplace could do to just sort of make the awkwardness of gift giving less awkward? I think the secret Santa type of sort of secret gift giver structure can ameliorate some of these issues, right? It takes away the pressure, for example, from having to give everybody at work a gift. Mm-hmm. At least the secret Santas um, that I've been a part of have had a very low maximum cost. So that could be maneuvered fairly readily, I think, in a workplace. But there's also just there's other costs, right? Like maybe that person isn't somebody you particularly like. Maybe it's somebody you really want to get to know more, but who you know doesn't like you. You know, the internet has made Secret Santa stuff, I think, even easier. Before the internet, there'd have to be one person who bared the burden of going around and getting everybody who wanted to participate. Uh, you would probably feel pressure to participate because they're knocking on your office door. So I think if you do Secret Santa, use one of the free online versions of it so that you blast out an email to everybody and then they have a certain amount of time to opt in. No one's going to feel pressure because you're not knocking on their office door asking them if they want to participate. And then people who don't want to participate can sort of pressure-free uh, opt out. Um, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yes. Uh, look, like a, a lot of the time we give, we can give a gift and we can say, no strings attached, don't worry about it. It's still felt, though. And I think with the with like Secret Santa or whatever, um, if it's a small workplace, people will know who wasn't a part of it. And that still puts some pressure on a person to participate or not. Another thing that's problematic, in, take, a, take a small office where there are large disparities in income. Uh, Secret Santa arrangements tend to have caps, but those caps tend to be in terms of dollar amounts. And $20 to... Uh, an entry-level person fresh out of college means way more than $20 to the boss who's been, you know, leading the organization for the last 15 years. So there's, there's, 
there's some difficulties there as well. Is sure. uh, you know, when people are just giving gifts of their own accord, they'll they'll go with the gift that's within their means. But Secret Santa, in an effort to keep things from getting out of hand by setting a cap, you might think that's a good idea, but by setting a cap, you might unintentionally be setting a minimum. Yeah, and you know, one thing that's that I've found at any rate. Um, for, from my experiences with these kinds of gift exchanges has been that whenever there's a price there, a, a limit, people some people will obviously exceed. Um, no one really says anything, right? But also uh, people have feel a desire to actually buy something. Whereas if you wanted to, if you had a sort of a gift exchange and it wasn't like this formal thing sort of like with a maximum or anything, but you might be thinking, oh, I'll make, you know, make peanut brittle for the whole office or something. But I know that those homemade gifts don't seem as likely when you have the the price limit. Yep, that's right. That's a really good point. So yeah, even things like Secret Santa might not be like an obvious uh, solution. Yeah. One thing I've noticed, at least here at Prindle, is that I feel like over the last few years, we've been actually, you know, at staff meetings and things like that, we've been having just sort of much more open conversations about like, what are we going to do this year around the holidays? Like, you know, last year we did this. Did we like that? Maybe this year we should do this instead. In fact, someone in our office proposed maybe instead of even doing Secret Santa, we all chip in money and everybody put put in the name of their favorite charity and we sort of like vote on the charity and then, you know, all that money just goes to the favorite charity or something like that. So sort of instead of giving each other gifts, we collectively give a gift to some, someone else. Maybe one of the best things would be, look, there's all these messy issues with gift giving and different offices are going to have different cultures, different variables in play. Maybe the first thing to do is just treat gift giving as a serious thing that warrants a serious conversation with the people in your office. And we just sort of, hey, let's get it all out on the table and talk about this. Like, what should our gift-giving practices be? Yes, I know that that's a very specific kind of workplace, though. Mm. Right? The one that sort of, uh, there might be hierarchy, but that workplace is more open to a more democratic sort of workplace. It works well at an ethics institute where <laughs> right. we sit around and talk about the ethics of doing things. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do sort of wonder about, like, other others. there are other kinds of business models where, there are more formal relationships, and it wouldn't surprise me that if in those cases the gift-giving is sort of more formalized from the business, precisely because this is one way in which you can you can affect the culture there. Right? If you, what you need there is people to be very respectful, treat the work in a very serious way, you may very well think this kind of sort of everybody does whatever they want thing is not going to happen this this is the way in which we do gifts here. I can sort of see that as mm. well. What do you think about the, the no gifts? So, of course, that would be one option, right? One option would just be like, hey, gifts are too complicated. They introduce too much messiness. The office is not a place where we are worried about making friends, and so let's just no gifts, right? That's the policy is what you're thinking. Yeah. I don't know. That's hard for me because I love giving gifts. Like I'm, you know, I was born on Christmas. My entire uh, childhood revolved around the Christmas season, and my birthday happened to be there. So, like, giving gifts has always been like an important thing to me, and um, I love doing it. So I'm, I'm conflicted about something like that. 
And like you said, gift giving is like one of the easiest ways to show beneficence or to be to be kind in some way to other people. So I don't know. I'd be hard-pressed to say we will not give gifts. What do you think about that policy? I think I agree with you. There's more good, I would argue, in allowing gifts um, than there is in blocking them all together from the workplace, even if it may solve some of these problems that could arise from gift giving. I think it's it's a good thing to allow people to express themselves this way, uh, to sort of be well motivated, to benefit somebody else. I don't know why you wouldn't want that. Mm. So there's something very, at least on the face of it, very authoritarian about saying very. absolutely no gifts. Sort of part of being human. And if anything, one of the better parts that we want to give people good things, they may very well be an argument to be made that we um, maybe we're, we give too many gifts, right? There's mm-hmm. too many holidays, too many of these unspoken obligations. Maybe we cheapen the significance of gifts. That's possible, I suppose. But it, I don't think it warrants something like no gifts. All right. Well, this has been a, a fun conversation. Jess, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for joining us as we try to get ethics to work. I'm Andy Cullison. If you have a question about business ethics you'd like answered on the podcast, email our producer at katherineberry at depaw.edu, and maybe we'll talk through your issue on air. We hope you can take some of what we've discussed today and get it to work. If you want to learn more about what Jess and Andy talked about on the show today, check out our show notes page at prindleinstitute.org slash work. That's all one word, get ethics to work. Remember to subscribe to get new episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. But regardless of where you subscribe, please be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It is still the best way for us to meet new listeners. Getting Ethics to Work is hosted by the Janet Prindle Institute for Ethics at DePaul University. Our logo was created by Smallbox. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions and can be found online at www.sessions.blue. Our show is made possible by the generous support of DePaul alumni, friends of the Prindle Institute, and you, the listeners. Thank you for your support. The views expressed here are the opinions of the individual speakers alone. They do not represent the position of DePaul University or the Prindle Institute for Ethics.